I was so glad to hear Tom's prayer during the offering time. I had thought about just canceling the sermon and just crying out to God today and beseeching him. Um, But let me tell you what's going on this morning. The churchmen, I'm talking about the pastors and the ministers, because some people are like, who are churchmen? Okay, they're the pastors and ministers, those folk, elders, people who hold office in Christian churches. The pastors are lining up this morning to condemn what happened Wednesday in the Capitol. Now, they've had nothing to say all year about the actual riots that were going on all summer, showing that they're led by the nose by a leftist media to dispense their thoughts to their congregations. And that's all they'll say. That's all they'll say. They'll just condemn it and move on. They won't talk about how good government should behave, how it conducts itself. They won't talk about our relationship to government in a proper way or our duty regarding civil government matters. They won't talk about instructing the magistrates in the law and word of God because they've neglected to do that themselves for decades. So they'll speak up and they'll condemn this because it's the narrative the media has painted for them. These are the same men who never address civil government matters from the word of God. And while they condemn the overwhelmingly good people that gathered in D.C., they will never acknowledge that it is their own indifference to the evils and idols and tyrants of our nation that has brought our nation to this point. Us as churchmen, the pulpits of America, are the most culpable for the condition of our nation. That is a fact. And because of the indifference towards the civil realm by the churchmen of our nation, we have been brought to this point. You would think there would have been a change long before this, given the shedding of innocent blood in this nation, regarding the butchery of the preborn, regarding the impugning of God's law, regarding sodomy and homosexual marriage and little children being taught that two men and two women getting married is a normal, natural thing, and that you're messed up in your head, little kid, if you think differently. But no, none of that brought them to this. And all of Western Europe and all of America is suffering because of the failure, the failure, the failure of the churchmen, of the pulpits. Now today I'll take a break from the book of Judges. And you may recall last week I said that I was going to take a break and do a sermon on called Liberty or License. And I hope to get to that sermon eventually. Jason will be preaching next week. But I will not be doing Judges or that sermon this week entitled Liberty or License. I want to rather give you some thoughts I have regarding what happened in Washington, D.C. this week. So turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2. The book of Proverbs, chapter 29, and verse 2. And let's stand for the reading of God's word. Now there's like a thousand things I could address this morning about what's gone on in our nation and what's gone on in our nation just in the last week. I could talk about a thousand things. I want to try to address to you things I know others probably won't address. Understand? So if I don't hit what you were hoping I would hit, 
don't feel bad about it because it's probably been talked about by a thousand other people. I'm trying to talk about things that I think need to be spoken about that are key matters regarding where we're at, what the situation is um, with what has just taken place and transpired over the last several days here in our nation. Proverbs 29, verse 2 reads, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. They mourn. And there is great mourning going on in this land. And the righteous haven't been ruling for a long, long time. May God bless the reading of his word. The title of my sermon this morning is Thoughts After the Gathering of Patriots in Washington, D.C. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we rejoice in you for this time that we have to talk about this important matter because we know, Lord, that your word does speak to all matters of life. Lord, we know that we have failed as your people to talk to the people in this nation and to the magistrates in this nation of all that your word has to say about all matters of life, particularly matters of civil government, Lord. Lord, we just ask and pray that we would be faithful to you in our lives, in our homes, in our workplace, in the marketplace, pointing men to you and doing right by you, living faithfully, wildly in your presence, radically different from the rest of the culture, making you known to men, both through the words which we speak, making your word and law known to men, and also how we govern our lives, how we behave in our character And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Could be seated. So the first key matter I want to address this morning is this slogan that I heard like 18 million times after Wednesday. The slogan is, violence is always wrong. I prefer to use the word force myself in a brief perusal of dictionaries show that the two are used interchangeably. They are synonyms. Violence and force are synonyms. But because of what happened at the Capitol on Wednesday, I heard the cacophony of voices from conservatives, from Christians, from a whole host of worthless politicians and a bunch of opportunist leftists. Violence is always wrong. And that is simply not true. Violence is not always wrong. Violence is a tool. And as a tool, it can be used or wielded for good, or it can be used or wielded for evil. But it is not in and of itself always wrong. It is not wrong in and of itself. Christ himself employed it in the temple with the money changers. Remember, he had a whip, turning over tables, chasing them out. God himself is declared to be a man of war in the scriptures. Exodus 15, 3, a man of war. So no, violence is not always wrong. Another thing I heard over and over again since Wednesday is that if you resort to violence, if you employ violence, even in the most tepid manner, you have become just like the Marxists. There is no difference then between you and the Marxists once you do that. And this too is utter nonsense. Drivel from a weak culture, and people who don't think. When I hear people say that, that if you employ 
any kind of violence. You are just like a Marxist. I'm left thinking, have they even considered our own founding fathers here in America? I think a lot of people have this sanitized view of our nation's founding where there was no violence. But the truth of the matter is there were many acts of violence by America's founders prior to the actual war beginning. If you look at the Stamp Act, for example, which I found most people don't even, what, what, what's the Stamp Act? And the few who do know about it have done zero study on it, study it. What went on with the history of the Stamp Act prior to the war was one of the things used to move to a place to finally throw off the tyranny of the British. If you look at the Stamp Act, for example, massive amounts of violence went on for months. Study the history on it. Violence by people, interposition by magistrates. And of course, there's a hundred other examples. The best known being the Boston Tea Party. But there's countless others. Our founders weren't Marxists. Marxists didn't even exist then. So to tell someone, if you engage in violence, you're just like the Marxist, it's not true. That's not true. Again, violence or force is a tool. And it can be used for good or it can be used for evil. It is not wrong in and of itself. It is not innately wrong. It is not always wrong. And Christian men have understood this down through the ages. When you read the writings of the early churchmen, they wrote about just wars. When you look at churchmen even, Zwingli, for example, died on the field of battle for confronting tyranny and evil. Zwingli. John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, the second most copied book in the history of the world, only behind the Bible, he was actually in Oliver Cromwell's army. He was an Ironside. And they killed men. Tyrants must be confronted with force or violence at times because that is the only way to defeat them and to cause their harm and their injustice to others to stop. Christian men have always viewed pacifism as a heresy because it is. And the only reason this little slogan, violence is always wrong, gets any footing in America in our day is because we are a weak, effeminate, pathetic, drunk-on-wealth, materialistic-driven, laying-around-in-our-fatness-and-ease culture that's soft. That's the only reason it gets that footing. Violence is always wrong. When you look at the history of nations, you see that most all of them are founded in the midst of violence and bloodshed. Almost all. Men now are fighting for the soul of this nation here in America right now. Men are fighting so they do not have to live under tyranny and overlords. And there's plenty of tyranny from the civil magistrates in this country, and there's plenty of ecclesiastical tyranny from the churchmen who give aid and comfort to tyrants in the civil realm. But there's men who want to do different. They want to do right by their homes, by their wives, by their children. 
What happened Wednesday did not happen in a vacuum. There have been decades of tyranny building in this nation. A whole election was stolen. I don't care how much, you know, the media and the tech giants and all of them doing everything they can to convince you. Don't look there. <laughs> right? Not one court has allowed there to be a forensic of the ballots, ballots themselves. Why is that? Just don't look there. Plenty of evidence, plenty of proof that needs to be investigated. That cannot be tolerated. Men have been forbearing, and the tyrants have been increasing in their strength over our lives. I want to encourage all of you to take time to read a sermon that is on our website, mercyseat.net, entitled, The Fate of Bloodthirsty Oppressors, and God's tender care of his distressed people. It's by Jonas Clark. It was preached on April 19th, 1776. The fate of bloodthirsty oppressors and God's tender care of his distressed people. Take time, if you would. It's under the articles button on page four of our church website. This matter I just spoke to you about, responding to this slogan, violence is always wrong. We made a little four-minute video of it this week, and it's at our YouTube channel, Defy Tyrants. So I encourage you to go to Defy Tyrants at YouTube, that's our channel, and spread that little four-minute talk around. That will help me greatly as I am currently once again thrown off Facebook for yet another 30 days. We have tyranny, brothers and sisters, in this land. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who lived under the boot of communism, Orwellianism, totalitarian rule, he said this, communism will never be halted by negotiations or through the machinations of detente. It can only be halted by force from without or by disintegration from within. And that's why our nation is headed for either a massive civil war or 80 years of Soviet-style enslavement because of what Solzhenitsyn said right here. It can only be stopped by force. It must be confronted. It cannot be negotiated with. They are never able to be appeased. They want to rule it all. They are wicked men. And if you doubt how wicked they are, go look at any story about this poor woman who was shot to death by our government, served her country for 14 years, only to be killed by her own government. Out at the Capitol this past Wednesday. And read the comments on any of those stories about her, and you will see how vicious, wicked, and evil the people given to totalitarian thought are. It, will, it is a grievous thing to read what people will say about someone like that. The second key matter I want to address this morning is the law and order people. This is a slogan for too, for too many also. They see any trouble, and what do they say? We are a nation of law and order. 
I heard it over and over since Wednesday. The conservatives cannot write enough about it. Now, when it comes to this slogan of, we're a nation of law and order, did you ever notice that the law and order people seem to misperceive that you have to have good and proper law in order to have order? Have you ever noticed that? That in order to have law and order, you have to have good and proper law in order to have order. Because of their law and order mentality, many of them would actually walk lockstep with any or nearly any evil. If evil has become entrenched in law, you are actually aiding evil with your law and order mantra. Understand that. The rule of law is not just whatever the state says it is. In Western civilization, the rule of law was rooted in the law of God. It is transcendent law to which all men and all governments of men are accountable. And if any law is made contrary to God's law, it is no law at all and is to be resisted. And sometimes it must be resisted with force. Quote, We have to go along with the fraudulent election because we must have law and order. Quote, we must go along with the slaughter of the helpless and innocent preborn because we must have law and order. Quote, we must go along with sodomy and sodomite marriage because we must have law and order. We must uphold the rule of law, unquote. Many conservatives and Christians are like this. They are actually aiding and abetting tyrants and tyranny with their law and order mantra. They are turning the rule of law on its head. They are promoting chaos and anarchy in society by their mantra. Again, you must have good, proper, legitimate law in order to have order. (laughs) You can't have order at the sacrifice of good, proper, legitimate law. All you have then is brute tyranny. And the conservatives and Christians are aiding and abetting it all with their little slogans. Violence is always wrong. We must have law and order. We're a nation of law and order. Now the key third matter I was going to address was communications, but I'm throwing it out because my sermon is too long. And I figure you can see for yourself all what's going on here. If you can't, I probably can't help you by preaching about it. If you haven't seen the double standard about people on the left and the quote-unquote people on the right are treated by the media and the government officials, you're in trouble. If you haven't seen what these full-grown adults like Zuckerberg and the others are like, I met them out on the campuses 20 years ago. And when we go out and minister Christ out on the campuses 20 years ago, that's about the time it started... No longer did the university students have to give arguments against what you were asserting. They would simply say, I'm offended by what you said. And I would stand there as an older man and say, and that means what to me? They think they've won the argument by saying they're offended. You must be quiet. You must be silenced, the cancel culture. And I said back then, 20 years ago, when these people reach influence and power in corporations and in government, 
they're going to unleash that worldview on the nation, and that's what they've done. And most Christians, because they've sat in their little ivory towers, indifferent towards what's going on in the nation, saying we just preach the gospel while they really weren't. And they were just building their little edifices and having their little master appreciation ceremonies over and over, studying their Bibles 18,000 times but never acting upon it Bible studies. They didn't know all this was going on. Tried to tell them. And so they're astonished by what's going on. I'm not. It's been put about for years. The big tech companies are censoring people. They censored the President of the United States himself. And you might be thinking, well, they didn't censor me. Well, I'll tell you, they did me. (laughs) So here's the thing. They don't care if you put up pictures about what you had for breakfast or about your little poodle. They don't care about that. But if you want to talk about some serious stuff and it doesn't fit into their narrative, guess what happens? You're censored. And they don't care. They look at your thing. If they see if, like, two people like your stuff, they don't care about you. But if, like, 200 people, 500 people care about your stuff, you're censored. And they have little spies, little citizen Gestapo, who sit around and narc on people. Oh, and then, bing, (laughs) there you're off. You're gone. That is Orwellian. That is totalitarianism. It's wicked and it's evil to the core. They don't have to defend their positions. They don't want anyone to even talk against their positions. That's the point we're at now. They've made out like what happened on Wednesday at the Capitol was the most violent, awful thing that's happened ever. I thought one guy summed it up best when he said, I've seen more violence at an Alabama concert. You do realize what happened there on Wednesday was not the most criminal thing to happen in that Capitol building. There's been massive evil crimes generated from that building for decades. They want you to all focus and talk about and gives the little dopey churchmen things to quibble about. You know, look what happened. Right. But they haven't talked about all the evil that's been going on in that building for decades. By the people who claim public authority. There's been massive evil crimes generated for decades, and wait till you see what they produce from that building this year. I can assure you, if that was a bunch of leftists at the Capitol building, they would have let them stay there so they could add to their numbers, and the media would have said, look at these freedom fighters. That's what they would have done. They murdered five American citizens, gassed four of them to death, and shot one to death in cold blood. She was no threat. She was unarmed. There was no warning given. Shot dead. If you haven't seen the video footage, you need to see it. Four different angles. And no one in government even cared. So I want to skip all that. Talking about communications, I have much more to say about it. But let me get to the fourth key thing, which is really now the third key thing, and that is this, the need for you to refuse, the need for you not to comply in the midst of evil. People wonder, how did Hitler get away with what he got away, how did Stalin get away with what he got away, people comply, 
And sometimes they even have quote-unquote good motives for doing it. Well, I just, you know, want to be kind and respectful to other people. Yeah, the road to hell is paved with a thousand kind intentions. You are aiding and abetting evil, and you better understand that. That's why I don't wear the mask, and I don't walk around with the mask. Not now, not ever. Because you're aiding and abetting gross evil. Your mere refusal to comply with their evil will go a long ways in the days ahead. Do you remember the three Hebrew children? Realize there were only three. You might feel overwhelmed at times when you're at Farm Fleet, Walmart, Piggly Wiggly, as you're the only one there without a mask. No. Here in the Babylonian Empire, there were only three who refused to bow down to that idol. We're nearly at that point in this culture. The American people are nearly a completely conquered people because of their churchmen and what they've been fed by them, because of the evil of the magistrates debasing their morality. Man is already inherently wicked, and evil magistrates take advantage of that and make bad law to, to promote that in their behavior. I believe that almost all Christians today would bow down in Babylon to that idol. If you doubt this, look at how nearly all wear the mask. I will tell you this, if you wear that mask, you almost certainly would bow down to that idol. How do I know this? Because just as you are able to make excuses in order to justify putting that dopey Marxist mask on, you would make excuses in order to justify bowing down to that idol. I know that. It's just an idol. God knows I don't view it as an actual God. God knows I am not bowing down to it in my heart, just with my body. And that's what really matters, my heart. Excuses to justify conforming. I will wear the mask, even though it's part and parcel of a global tyranny rooted in a lie and aids and abets tyrants, in order to show love to my fellow Americans. And so I should bow down to the idol here in Babylon, so I show love to my fellow Babylonians, even though the idol is a lie and is not really God. I will bow down so I don't offend my fellow Babylonians, so I don't ostracize myself from them and lose the opportunity to speak into their lives. So I don't hurt my witness. I know it's all a lie, like the COVID response is built on a mountain of lies, but I don't want to hurt my witness. I really need to go along just so I can get along. I can spread the lie that this idol is okay to bow down to, just like I spread the lie that the COVID response by governments is legitimate by wearing the mask because I'm doing it all in love. Oh, and don't forget Romans 13. The three Hebrew children did not bow down. Your refusal matters. Your non-compliance means something. It checks tyrants. It blunts the evil. It gives heart to men who want to do right, but cower. You would not refuse. Those of you who got to wear your masks, as the Hebrew children did, 
you would not stand true to Christ. You can change that, repent, do what's right from this day forward. The president, quote unquote, people have asked me, do you view Joe Biden as our president? Absolutely not. I will always refer to him as the pretender. He is not the president. He is the pretender. And when the pretender issues his little decree for 100 days that everybody has to wear a mask, you must spit in his eye and not wear it. Oh, it's just a mask. Remember the beginning of all this? I spoke out. That's how tyranny's built, plank by plank. Talked about the Jews. Couldn't sit on a public bench. Oh, it's just not sitting on a public bench. But then it's another thing, and another law, and another policy, and another executive. It goes on. Tyranny must be defeated. It must be checked. It cannot be appeased. You must stand true to Christ and to your neighbors. Both what happened to those three Hebrew children and the situation we are in are rooted in evil. Yet Christian churchmen have taught Christians how to twist Scripture in order to justify their compliance, and in doing so, they are spreading a lie and aiding evil men. I want to read to you something my daughter Sarah posted. I always love her writings and her thoughts, and I wanted to read this one because it brought... Sadness to my heart and clarity of thought to my mind of just how awful this evil is. She posted this with a picture of when we were all out at Yosemite National Park, which everyone should visit. Makes the Rocky Mountain National Park look like a ghetto. (laughs) Yosemite is beautiful. Unfortunately, stuck in California. She had this picture of all of us together out there on this big trip several years back now. And she wrote this, Remembering the good old days when you could fly anywhere without having to wear a face mask to make you feel strangled, separated, silenced, and alone. The picture posted here is from an epic family trip we took to Yosemite. There is much lost in communication and relating with others when the needed interaction was smiling, sad, angry, frustrated, and confused, naked faces is obscured. How do you read people now? I find myself just often trying to avoid eye contact. I have to mentally step into that place of smiling at and interacting with the mast, whereas before it was just so natural to smile and interact with other image bearers of God. I refuse to wear them. My children are worth it. I never want them to think that it is quote-unquote normal to be isolated, to be so isolated from the person you are facing. I watched as some elderly ladies in the grocery store smiled and cooed as they walked past my happy, interactive one-year-old in the cart at the local grocery store. They were squealing with delight at the sight of her, and then she has in parentheses, I can't blame them, And I, looking at her face, wondered why she looked at them with a furrowed 
brow that was clearly confused and made no attempt to return any sentiments. I said to her, you can say hi. Why don't you say hi? At that moment, I looked in the general direction of her disgruntled gaze and realized what she saw. My heart sank with that realization. My child couldn't make out that those women were happy to see her. The muffled voices from under the mask were confusing to her. She needs to see their faces to understand what they mean. What are we doing to these children? What are we doing to ourselves? This one observation is just the tip of the iceberg. The psychological games masking is playing with us will influence more areas in our lives than we realize. And that's the end of what she wrote. I thought it was powerful. And brothers and sisters, this is tragic. And yet the churchmen teach their people to comply to the evil and hence aid and abet the tyrants, all while they twist the word of God. One woman responded to Sarah's post by stating, quote, Our faces reflect the image of God more fully than any other part of us. The enemy is delighted that it is being covered. They are attempting to strip us of our humanity, masking us, isolating us, and cutting off any real sense of connection, all the while chanting, quote, We're all in this together, unquote. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Well spoken, sister. Well spoken. If you comply, you are strengthening the evil in the land. Understand the power of your refusal not to comply. Understand the need for you not to comply so that you do not help strengthen the evil in the land. The fourth and final key matter I want to address is that this is a worldwide battle for freedom, for liberty. And the world is looking to America to stand. Or freedom and liberty is lost and the world sinks further into a statist, leftist, authoritarian hell. This is a global fight against government tyrants and evil rich men. The corporations are just as evil as the government. They've created the government to a great extent that we have. The rich, the corporations. Over the last few weeks, there have been pro-Trump demonstrations held around the world. You probably didn't know that because it all gets censored by our media. Surprise, surprise. You have to go to medias outside our country in order to find these truths. Why have there been these pro-Trump demonstrations? Because all the world's watching what America does. And they know if America caves and folds to the tyrants, to the leftists, it's over for them completely. That's why. On Wednesday, the Asian population, which lives in this country, came out in force in support of Trump in D.C. because they lived under communism and totalitarian rule.
Many of their relatives still do, and they know exactly what is happening here. While the Democrats and the Republicans call what happened a coup attempt, the truth is they are the ones pulling off a coup in front of everyone. And they must be resisted by the people. They must be resisted by every lesser magistrate in the country, every state legislature, every county sheriff, every county board, every mayor, every common council must stand against their evil and against the tyranny. It's called the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. It's biblical. The whole world is looking to America to stand because if we do not defend the liberty other men fought, bled, and died to provide us with, it's over worldwide. We are a fat, self-absorbed people here in America who've been skating on the coattails of men who fought, bled, and died for this nation. Glibly giving up our freedoms and liberties to tyrants for decades now. Here's what a pastor from Italy wrote. Bear with me. This is a pastor from Italy, a reformed minister. He said, it's hard to know what to say in times as confusing as these. There are now reports that the people who stormed the Capitol were actually members of Antifa posing as Trump supporters. I don't know. What I know is that over the last two decades, both in Europe and America, the rise of globalism has brought about a crisis of democracy. In other words, decisions are no longer determined by the people's majority through their elected representatives, but are dictated by supranational forces and interests. And that is true. The laws they want here, they're trying to impose worldwide. It's been going on for 20 years. Our politicians need to understand that people are aware that this is taking place and feel that a tyrannical system is being imposed on them. Now, after the November presidential elections, many polls indicated that more than half of the United States population has lost confidence in the regularity of the electoral system. Yeah, like 72%. He says that is alarming and should have been taken seriously by politicians for what's at risk is Americans' very identity as a nation. As there has been plenty of evidence of electoral irregularities in the swing states, the cry for a signature recounting of the votes should have been heard. And there should have been an audit, a forensic of each ballot. He goes on, politicians, however, have been deaf to this cry, as they have been deaf to the cry of the people here in Italy and in other European countries. Since 2011 in Italy, we've had six governments, but none of them actually reflected what people voted for. An electoral system has been created which does not allow the winning party to actually govern, which in turn forces that party to ally itself with other parties within the parliament, which systematically leads to political compromise and corruption. In Italy, too, therefore, the situation is critical, as the country is morally, socially, and economically ruined. Most of our manufacture has been relocated in Asia, the unemployment rate among young people is 42%. A sentiment of despair seems to have taken over the population. Politicians must understand that people can reach a point of exasperation where they feel that only by being violent 
will they gain a listening ear by the ruling class. Moreover, an amazing amount of political corruption has been revealed over the last four years to the point that Washington really looks like a swamp that needs to be drained. I do pray for the violence to stop, but politicians must change their attitudes and ways. If that will not happen, I am afraid that the situation will only get worse. And that's the end of his thoughts. And he's right. The situation has revealed the corruption. It's also revealed to many people who thought the Republicans were their friends how they are not. They are not. And that is why our founders always put the onus on the people to keep the republic. They knew too many politicians. The situation is dire around the world, not just here in America, and it's much worse in other places. And let me tell you what's going on this morning. The churchmen and pastors are going to affirm the tyrants in their pulpits. I heard one minister say that the Republicans didn't get to speak because of what happened at the Capitol building. That's utter nonsense. Republicans had no intention of ever stopping the process. They were going to throw up a handful of guys just to placate who they referred to, which would be us, as the mob. It was all a feigned fight. And the outcome would have been exactly what the outcome is. Republicans had no intention of ever stopping it. The Republicans like to feign a fight, but the outcome was already decided. I've watched this for years. Political drama with a fixed end. The people always losing and evil always expanding and the government always being more empowered every time in the end. Senators Johnson and Loeffler think they... Do you think they actually believed there was fraud and then just because of the quote-unquote violence, they didn't suddenly? We already knew Johnson was blowing smoke from interviews he'd done right here in Wisconsin and wasn't doing anything other than what his handlers told him to do. So Johnson joined in, Loeffler joined in with the dogs, with the tyrants. Oh, because of that violence, I just decided not to do this. To take a stand against this fraud, this election fraud. And now the Republican politicians and conservative talking heads and the Christians and conservatives are all pointing the finger at those who are at the Capitol building for their loss. And I'm telling you, it's all an utter farce. They are like the Jews who got mad at Moses because when he confronted a tyrant, then they had to make bricks without straw. You can give the impression that everything's good when you don't confront tyrants. But when you confront tyrants, they have to take off their mask and bare their fangs. They have to leave their lair and show people what exactly they are. And it only happens when good men confront them. And they were confronted this past Wednesday at the Capitol building. And it's revealed mountains. I remember when we interposed for the preborn down at the death camps, put our bodies nonviolently in between the guy who wants to kill him and the baby who's being brought to be killed. Then they got an injunction against us, and all the people 
who didn't like what we were doing, said, see, now we can't even freely sidewalk council because of you guys. Whiners. When you confront a tyrant, he's going to respond. That's part of the process of getting rid of tyranny. You have to understand things will get worse before they get better when you confront a tyrant. Did you really think that when Moses showed up, Pharaoh was going to say to him after he told him, let my people go, oh, sure? When our founders issued the Declaration of Independence, did King George get with the program and say, all right? (laughs) When you confront tyrants, things get worse before they get better. Grow up! Oh, my little precious reputation. I feel it's soiled. Yeah, it's soiled by a bunch of wicked people, the media and government officials who are scum. People would tell me when we go out to the abortion clinic, I don't like how that person acts. That doesn't feel holy to me. Here I am, just glad that anyone would come out, you know, to stand against this murder, you know what I mean? (laughs) Silly me. (laughs) And they're all like, all worked up, and I can't stand Christian churchmen and Christians who want everybody to fit into their little mold. If you don't fit into their little mold, oh, I'm not going to participate. Okay. I know God has called me as a minister to be a priest. And as his priest, I represent God to man, but I also represent man to God. And that's a balance ministers need to keep. Whenever you confront tyrants, there will be a response from the tyrant. Even the Boston Tea Party, do you think the British were just like, oh, wow, that was something. (laughs) They were ticked. There's volumes to read about what they said over in the history books there in Parliament. The British closed the Boston Harbor and instituted what is known as the intolerable acts. Numerous of them. Things will always get worse when you confront the tyrant before they get better. Yes, you'll have to kiss your little self-absorbed life goodbye. There is always a response from the tyrants. We should not point the finger at others and whine. That is childish. If you see things, you talk with people. When there's a crowd that massive, you can't, you can't police that. The people who were there said the overwhelming people were great people. Whenever you have a crowd that size, there's also some whack jobs that show up. And some whack jobs showed up. Crack rock, me and Clara call them. Crack rock people. And then you're going to sit around and focus all on that? You're focusing on it because the tyrants want you to focus on it. Be glad that a stand was made, that tyrants were confronted. Did you see them cowering like little children in the aisles? (laughs) These are the same people who send your sons off to get killed in wars. And they're worried about some people have made it into the building. Complete cowards. Wicked. This is all necessary for tyranny to finally be defeated. Things like this are all part of the process. Remember what the Declaration of Independence says? In part, it says this, quote, 
but when a long train of abuses and usurpations. We're talking about how men forbear, as we have. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Amen. And they only pen these words because of Christian thought. Because churchmen taught from the word of God, God's view of civil government, the things he has to say about, that's the only reason those words were penned. Probably half this country doesn't even believe those words anymore. And if they did believe them and they see they might have to actually do them, maybe I shouldn't believe them now. Cowardice. If you don't fight, instead sit by with your arms wrapped around the phantom of hope, you will end up in 80 years of Soviet-style slavery. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who spent years in a gulag, wrote this. Here's what he said, quote, And how we burned in the camps later, thinking. He's, He's in the camp now, he's in the gulag. He's reminiscing. And he says, And how we burned in the camps later, thinking, what would things have been like if every security operative, when he went out at night to make an arrest, had been uncertain whether he would return alive and had to say goodbye to his family. Or if during periods of mass arrests, as for example in Leningrad, when they arrested a quarter of the entire city, people had not simply sat there in their lairs, paling with terror at every bang of the downstairs door and at every step on the staircase, but had understood they had nothing left to lose and had boldly set up in the downstairs hall an ambush of a half dozen people with axes, hammers, pokers, or whatever else was at hand. The organs would very quickly have suffered a shortage of officers and transport, and notwithstanding all of Stalin's thirst, the cursed machine would have ground to a halt. If he says, and he says again, if we didn't love freedom enough, and even more, we had no awareness of the real situation. We purely and simply deserved everything that happened afterward. He's saying they deserved it because they did not fight when they had the chance. Understand Alexander Solzhenitsyn, when he came here to America and got off the plane, The press loved him at that point and surrounded him and said, Alexander, how did it get to this point in the Soviet Union? And his first words were, because we forgot God. And the media hated him after that and would never talk to him again because of what he said there. Solzhenitsyn once said, every man always has handy a dozen glib little reasons why he is right not to sacrifice himself. And that's what allows the evil to grow and strengthen. Because men aren't willing to sacrifice. What happened in D.C., and I know I've been long. Give me a moment here. What happened in D.C. on Wednesday was two things. One, it was a wake-up call to all the indifferent in this nation that things aren't as wonderful in America as they think they are. 
that there are actually our men who are going to fight to save this republic called America and not just conform like you. There are men who will do right by their wives and children and secure their nation in sound government and who will defy tyrants. The indifferent are indifferent because they're drunk on their wealth and ease. Indifferent because most men always only care about me, myself, and I. But not all men are like that. And some of them gathered there in D.C. this past Wednesday. And the second thing that happened on Wednesday, was a warning to the leftists, to the Republican dogs, to the Democrats who have destroyed this nation through Christ-hating, God-dishonoring law, policy, and court opinions for decades. They now know that we will not go quietly into the night, because we will not. That we will fight, that we will fight the leftists in the streets and we will fight their tyrants at the halls of the legislature in the columns of the judiciary in the offices of their executives that we will not be shut out of state houses barred entrance to those buildings while the politicians make laws against us inside and that is what they have been doing barring people entrance to their state houses and their capitals while they make law and policy inside Most men just want to skate on the sacrifices of others. They are the sickest of men. They abound in this nation, and there are far too many of them in the state houses and judiciary and executive offices. Understand, this is my fourth, final point, right? This is a global battle between good and evil. And as Christian men, even this involves a battle for the souls of men. My sermon on liberty versus license, I plan on giving that. A lot of people in America think liberty is license, to do whatever you want it to. Liberty is actually freedom to do what you need to do. That's what liberty is. Trump said at the evening on Wednesday, everybody go home. We must have order. We must have peace. And what he doesn't seem to understand is there is no peace when there's evil in the land. It's impossible. And I talked about this a few sermons back. And I talked about it out of 2 Kings chapter 9, verses 17 through 22. I believe it was. The new king of Israel was riding to put down the tyranny in the land. And it says, Now it happened when Joram, the old king, saw Jehu, that he said, Is it peace, Jehu? So he answered, What peace? As long as the harlotries of your mother Jezebel and her witchcraft are so many. And that's the response Christian men give. There can be no peace with this kind of evil in the land. None whatsoever. What do we do? We do the things that are needed. We continue to proclaim God's great salvation to men. We continue to proclaim his law and word to men and to the magistrates. We continue to be men and women of prayer. The things we already do. We look well to our homes. 
We do right in the marketplace and at the workplace, faithful to him. We confront evil, topple idols, resist tyrants. Amen. That's what we do. Praise his holy name. And people are beginning to realize more and more how they must do things locally. Because as I've said for years, D.C. is the corrupter. It's the local government, state, county, and municipal that must reign in their evil. The tyrant will not do it itself. Let's close in prayer. Praise your holy name, O God. We thank you, Father, that you have preserved your scriptures down through the years so that we can know your ways and we can know your thoughts. And we ask, O Lord, that you would just continue to be glorified, Father, through our lives. That we would make you known to men, that we would not hide your law and word under a bushel, that we'd not hide your great salvation under a bushel, but that we put it all on a lampstand. For your law lights our path. Lord, for the gospel sets men free, no longer slaves to sin. And God, we just ask and pray that you would be glorified through each life here today. Be glorified in the homes of each represented here today. And may we live faithful to you, we pray, as our hearts are broken. May we draw close to you in pureness of mind and holiness. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.